This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 30th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The U.S.-led war on drugs has cost Mexico dearly, and there's no end in sight without a change in U.S. policy. Jorge Castaneda, Mexico's former foreign affairs minister, knows better than most. He spoke at the Cato Institute's Drug Policy Conference held in November. What are the costs? So far, we have somewhere around 45,000 deaths, drug war-related deaths, since President Calderón took office. By the time he leaves office, if current trends continue without any increase but without any decrease, it'll be around 55,000 deaths by the time he leaves. To give you an idea, for those of you who are uh, very young, um, this is about the same number of Americans who died in Vietnam. In a country, of course, one-third the population, just so you have roughly an idea. Secondly, we will have a human rights situation in Mexico where the number of incidents of torture, extrajudicial executions, and disappeared forced disappearances will have increased exponentially as documented by Mexican and international uh, watchdog groups. And as increasingly acknowledged by the government itself as something which they're trying to fix, which they're working on, which they want to punish, which they want to limit, but they are increasingly not even denying that this is taking place. The way this Human Rights Watch report was received by President Calderón and his cabinet last week shows that the discussion is much more about what to do than whether it's true or not. This in a country which had had huge human rights problems over the previous 30, 40, 50 years, but where the human rights situation had been significantly improving under Presidents Cedillo and Fox of two different parties, by the way. Thirdly, we have suffered a terrible devastation of Mexico's image in the world. Now, for some countries, this is more important than for others. I always have a discussion with my Brazilian friends who say, you Mexicans are not as brave as we are. We, don't, we ask the Americans for visas because they ask us for visas, and you Mexicans don't do that. And I tell my Brazilian friends, you're absolutely right, because you receive 600,000 American tourists a year, and we receive 25 million. And we can't afford to do without the 25 million, and you can afford to do without the 600,000. Okay, well, for Mexico, a terrible image in the world, a country that depends so much on tourism, is a big deal. It's a big, big problem. It's not necessarily a problem for other countries. For us, it is. If you have scenes like the ones you all see on television and newspapers everywhere in the United States all day long about people being beheaded, about people being hung from bridges, about people being executed in the streets, and your single most important employer is the tourism industry, you have a problem. And we have a big, big problem because of that. And finally, money. Mexico's a big country, it's a rich country. Um, Our our budget this year will be a budget of roughly $320 billion. This is not Nicaragua, it's not Bolivia, but still we've spent a lot of money on this question. It'll be by the end of President Calderón's term around $60 billion in addition to what we spent normally on security and on the army, which is a significant amount of money for a country of our GDP, of our size. We don't have that money to go round. So if you put all of this together, you can see the costs of this war have been immense. The results, 
they are really not very clear. They are very difficult to see. We know because the government publishes data on this. For example, that eradication and <clears throat> seizures of marijuana and heroin, the drugs we produce in Mexico, are way down. We are seizing less marijuana and less heroin today in Mexico than 10 years ago. Significantly less, not a little bit less. On the cocaine front, it's hard to say because it all comes from the South, from Colombia basically, through Central America and to the United States. Apparently, there may have been a small drop in the amount of cocaine transiting through Mexico and into the United States. But if there had been a very significant drop, you would see it reflected in the price of cocaine in the streets in New York, and you, or Washington, by the way, or DC. And unless somebody knows differently, uh, that spike has not taken place. There has been a slight increase in price, but no tremendous spike reflecting a tremendous drop of supply over the past five or six years. Crystal meth and other designer drugs, some of which we produce in Mexico with Chinese inputs, yes, maybe there's been a drop, but the results there are not significant. The results in terms of are we taking back territory that the narcos had? Well, if they had the territory, maybe we're taking some of it back, but it's not clear that they had it. I have a very uh, absurd discussion the last couple of days in Mexico um, about the governor's elections in the state of Michoacán, which is President Calderón's home state, as I said, the state he first sent the army into, and a state that has been plagued traditionally both by violence and by mainly marijuana cultivation and there's some important drug cartels working in Michoacán. President Calderón's sister, Luisa María Calderón, was the pan-candidate for governor. And although she thought she was going to win by a very small margin, and polls seemed to indicate that she might win, she in fact did not win. Apparently, she lost by two or three points to the PRI candidate. And she has now begun to say, since this began Sunday night when the results were published, the day before last night, that organized crime um, stole the election from her. Now, there's two problems with that kind of a statement. The first is, she only figured that out Sunday night, not during the previous five months of campaigning. Difficult to believe. But more importantly, what she is suggesting, which by the way may be true, she is suggesting that the cartels in Michoacán operate as a single unified rational subject, which is quite possible. You know, they sat down somewhere in Apatzingán, uh, Uruapan, a couple of months ago. They looked over the three candidates, the PRD, the PRI, and the PAN candidate. They studied their proposals, their programs, their planks, their teams of people who work with them, their history, their personal biographies, and they reached the conclusion that the candidate that was most in their interest was the PRI candidate, Fausto Vallejo. Let's suppose that's true. And <clears throat> then they decided to support him and make life miserable for Mrs. Calderon and for the left-wing candidate, and that's why the PRI candidate won. Okay, let's, let's suppose all of that happened. And it's not impossible, by the way. What is incompatible with this is that the cartels are a bunch of nuts who have killed each other, assassinated uh, 45,000 Mexicans in wars between them, 
totally irrational 15-year-old kids who do not know what they're doing because now they have been fragmented and atomized and pulverized by the war on drugs to the extent that now all we have to deal with are a bunch of you know, hundreds of little cartels all over the country who are meaningless, irrational, and purely violent. The two things cannot be true at the same time. And this is where we have a, a more significant conceptual problem. What can be done about all of this, very quickly? First, I think that the army has to be pulled back, sent back to the barracks, and used only exceptionally, only very, very exceptionally, when there is a very critical situation with very clear <clears throat> uh, instructions and indications of how many troops will be sent, how long they will be there, and when they will be brought back. And that the definition of a crisis be very specific. Secondly, we have to build up a national police force, which we have not built up really under President Calderon. He's made an effort, like Fox and Cedillo before him also made an effort, but the effort is insufficient. As of today, we were with the head of the police last week with, uh, with Mr. Vivanco and Mr. Roth. And we went through the numbers with them. They've got about <coughs> 25,000 boots on the ground the federal police that they can send in. This is in a country of 115 million inhabitants, 25,000 police. The Colombian National Police has 165,000 uh, full-fledged police members in a country two and a half times less populated than Mexico. If we wanted to have the equivalent in Mexico, we would need 400,000 boots on the ground of the federal police, given that the municipal police are useless at best at best. So we're, we have to go from 22,000, 25,000 to 100, 150,000 very quickly. This takes a lot of money, some time, and a lot of help, a lot of support. We could get the support from all sorts of places, but there's only one place we're actually going to get it. That's here. And we have to think in Mexico very seriously about how we want to do this whether we want to send the, the 100,000 Mexican police to be trained here, or we want to have a couple of thousand American advisors training them there. Politically, it's impossible to have the advisors go to Mexico. Economically, it's impossible to have the Mexican police come here. So what do you do? You have a problem. We need to concentrate all our efforts, as uh, Mark Kleinman has said in a recent book and now in an article in Foreign Affairs last issue, on combating violence and crime that affect people. N kidnappings, extortion, homicide, theft, homes, cars, etc., instead of concentrating on the drug issue. The drugs do not harm Mexico. Whether they harm Americans or not is an issue Americans have to decide. And then how Americans want to combat the harm that the drugs do to American society if the drugs do that harm to American society. That is a U.S. discussion. It is not our discussion, and it is not our business. It makes absolutely no sense for us to put up 50,000 body bags to stop drugs from entering the United States, which once they enter the United States are de facto or de jure legally consumed. It makes absolutely no sense. And I co congratulate, like Mr. Crane before me, Presidents Cardoso and Cedillo and Gaviria, as well as their other co colleagues now on the Global Commission, for making this point. 
If we concentrate the resources we have in fighting violence, we can bring violence back down to the levels we had in the year 2006, 2007, and we can begin to try to address the third issue, the third part of the alternative, which is how to do all of this without encouraging the culture of illegality, which in Mexico has plagued us now for four to 500 years probably since even before the Spanish arrived. We were already in trouble on that, and they made things worse. The Spanish tend to do that. We, which is why I think it's very important that the next Mexican government, and President Calderón has begun to make little, sort of putting his toe in the water a little bit on this. The next Mexican government has to be very clear on the question of legalization starting with marijuana, but not necessarily limiting it to marijuana. Why? Well, the debate in Mexico, very briefly, as you know, is similar to the one in Colombia. We can't do it alone. If the Americans don't do it, we can't do it. Why? Because it won't have any impact, because prices are set in the U.S., not in Mexico. Legalizing just in Mexico will not really reduce the cartel's profits, because the cartel's profits come from the illegal, illicit nature of the business in the U.S. If the U.S. doesn't do it and Mexico does do it, all we'll do is get in trouble with the Americans and not really make a dent in the cartel's finances. That may or may not be true. It's hard. I, I have my doubts about that, because we're really talking about things we don't know. The estimates of the percentage of marijuana in the drug cartel's profits range from 8 or 9% to 60%, depending on who you listen to, which means nobody knows what they're talking about. And for good reason. There is no way, really, of knowing. You can't go and see their tax returns. They may have them, but they don't let you see them. So it's very complicated to figure all of this out. What we do know is that Mexico, together with Colombia, perhaps one day with Brazil, Peru, should make advocacy of legalization in the United States its main task in foreign policy. Maybe we can't do it alone, but we certainly have, Mexico today certainly has the moral authority, and President Santos of Colombia certainly has the moral authority to come to the United States and say, look guys, we did this for 40 years, like you have. We've put up 50,000 bodies. We've taken, we've spent a fortune. We've destroyed our image in the world. We've knocked down tourism. We've done, ev we have done everything you can humanly do and it hasn't worked. So we have to do something else. They say it's very important, of course, for former presidents with the prestige of President Cardoso and his colleagues to do this, but it's even more important for standing presidents, sitting presidents to do so, especially the president of Mexico and President Santos of Colombia today, who for personal reasons have the prestige, the moral authority to do this. I think if we worked on these three lines, combating violence, not drug trafficking, building a national police and bringing the army back, and fighting for legalization, even if we can't do it overnight on all drugs, we have the beginning of an alternative policy that can work. And I'll end with a stupid Jewish joke from New York, but it's very important if you look at this question here of, is this alternative viable? You know, how's your wife compared to whom? Okay. Well, how viable is this alternative compared to what we're doing, compared to the 50,000 deaths, compared to the $60 billion, 
compared to the human rights violations, compared to the devastation of Mexico's image abroad, I think it's a viable strategy that should be tried. Thank you very, very much. Jorge Castaneda is a former foreign affairs minister for Mexico. He spoke at the Cato Institute's conference, Ending the Global War on Drugs. You can watch archives of that event at Cato.org.